This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 96. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my somber looking co host. I don't know. <laughs> You look so sad, man. Brandon Turner. I was reading something on the page. I don't know. Ignore me. I'm glad you're paying attention. These people are listening on audio mostly. There's, you know, they can't tell I'm looking distracted. I can. It's distracting. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What's up, man? How you been? I've been good. I've been good, actually. It's been, uh, it's been good. Winter's coming in. It's getting cold. Taking my dog out in the morning. Not fun. Nice. Not fun. Yeah. We, I'm sitting here looking at like a mini blizzard. It wasn't even supposed to snow today. It's like 10 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. You want to whine about it? Yep. All right, move on. I do, I do. All right, great, thanks. Awesome. Hey, everybody, check hey. it out. Listen, this week, some cool stuff happened. We uh, got a facelift. I actually did not get a facelift, <laughs> but I knew, I, th- I felt it coming. I felt it coming in yep. from Brandon. Yeah, yep. I was going to say yep. it. Now, the, the Bigger Pockets blog just got a facelift. Uh, we just put a brand new looking feel to it, cleaned it up, uh, you know, modernized it. The old blog was a little stale, so we've cleaned it up. And we added some new features in the past week or so where members can leave comments without having to kind of jump through hoops. So check out the blog at biggerpockets.com slash rnewsblog and, uh, you know, read our content and get involved. There's some great stuff in there. That there is. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Today, uh, let's get to our quick, quick tip. tip. All right. Our quick tip today is quick. If you want to be a guest in the Bigger Pockets podcast, normally we just choose people uh, based on, you know, the whims of whatever we want to choose. But we want to, <laughs> we want to give you the opportunity to- Don't, uh, don't give that away, man, because <laughs> there, there, there are some angry people. How do they pick these guests? I want you'll to never, Yeah, you'll never know my, my, how, I, how we choose. But the inner workings. The inner workings, yeah. But if you want to uh, like throw in your name into the hat to be a guest on the Bigger Pockets podcast, just go to biggerpockets.com slash guest, and you can fill out the little application there to let us know who you are. If you are somebody who's done, uh, this is not necessarily like the newbie podcast, but if you are experienced, you've got done multiple deals, you've been in this for a a little while now. Throw your name into the hat. Just come and fill out the form. And uh, if you're chosen, and we got a lot of people already, so there's n- no guarantee it will choose you. But if you are, you'll be a guest on our show. So come uh, biggerpockets.com slash guest. Nice. And you can tell your mom that you know, you're on the Bigger Pockets podcast with all one of our listeners. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got about 35,000 listeners per show now. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's well worth a shot if you've got anything uh, to talk about. And we all actually do. So um, you know, we, we definitely encourage people to do that. Um, really, really quick, let's talk about today's pro tip, which is we definitely encourage you if you are Bigger Pockets Pro to get out there and make your enhanced form signature for non-pros. There's definitely value in this for brand building, uh, for getting your name out there, getting your company's brand out there. You get to put your company logo on your form signature. It shows below all your posts, uh, links to your company profile. You could link to your website as well. And, uh, it's just a great way to kind of get your name out, let people start to know who you are and who your company is. And um, it lets people know you're a little bit more serious on the forums too. Somebody to yep. actually, you know, if, if 
you got no form signature whatsoever. Nobody knows anything about you. Yep. So it kind of shows that you are a serious person. Yeah, and they can go check out your company and read about what you guys do, what your focus is. It's, it's a good way to help build your business. So if you are here to on Bigger Pockets to build your business, we definitely encourage it. And you can upgrade to pro at biggerpockets.com slash pro to get that ability. All right, our guest today, he's bald. He's funny. He's from Denver. <laughs> And he does pretty much anything and everything under the sun. He's an active wholesaler, flipper. I don't know what else he does. We'll find out more. We've actually had him on the show before. Last time we had him on, what was it? Show number number 34, which was our least listened to show. (laughs) Which is why we're bringing him back. Anthony, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, It was not. It was not. But I'm excited to bring him back. He's a a friend of mine, a local and uh, a great guy. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Anson Young, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Thank you, guys. It's awesome to be here again. Awesome. Even though it was the least listened to show. 
maybe we'll just double our we'll 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 double down on yeah. our odd yes theory. yes let's let, let's let's see while we're losing we'll just keep keep, pre- right. keep pressing it and hoping people come there you That's go right. there you go awesome. Right. awesome so anton um anton was uh one of our guests here at the 10 year anniversary party of bigger pockets a few weeks ago. It was, it was cool hanging out with him. I've hung out with him before, but I know Brandon got his, I uh, got a chance to do that. And I think you guys uh, hit it off. A little yeah. Bit, so yeah, we, was, went, we went to this amazing burger place and I picked your brain on wholesaling for like an hour and a half and I learned a ton. So that's why we, we were like, I should get you back on the show and we'll talk about yeah. more of what we talked yeah. about in our burger yeah. meeting. Yeah, great. no, that, that was awesome. 10 years. Happy, happy anniversary again. Thank you. Thank that, you. Was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And lots of uh, books to be had, and you know, if you missed out on that, then you missed out on that. I guess. What, what, what sure. kind of books are you talking about? <laughs> oh, uh, what book is that? It's. Uh, I think it's oh, called it's the Brandon. book on. Oh yeah, my book. Yeah, the, Brandon's book. The book yeah, on investing in real estate with no and low money down. We had, can we get. Had, at, we had a book signing party, and, we did. and yeah, yeah. Anyway, absolutely. If you, you want to get biggerpockets.com/slash no money, there you and, go, and there, there you go. All right, Anson. So. Uh, for those people who are unfamiliar with you, who may not have heard you previously in the show, why don't you give us like the, you know, elevator pitch of who you are and what you do? I'll give you the short version. I haven't been working on my elevator pitch like <laughs> Brandon's blog, or I guess it's in the book too. But basically, um, I am a wholesaler, rehabber, investor, kind of trying to broaden my horizons into buy and hold eventually. But like most guys who are in my fast-paced whatever world where you just we can't see the long term so we just chase after the short cash all the time i guess but <laughs> nice, nice. uh yeah so chasing your tail a lot i'm short-sighted oh yeah feels <laughs> like feels like groundhog day every day but, um that's okay uh working so, on your job right working on my yeah my job my job of every day having to find deals and all that fun stuff. Right. So, you know what's yeah, funny but, about what you just said? Just real quick to interrupt you. I, I was talking yeah. to a guy yesterday and we, we were talking about how, you know, wholesalers and flippers are generally more of the, they want the quick cash now and the buy and hold guys are later. And I equated that to the idea that ever since I was like two years old, I ate Lucky Charm cereal for breakfast a lot and I would always eat the cereal first, marshmallows at the end. I would always save my marshmallows. And which explains a lot probably why I'm a a buy and hold investor more than I am a flipper and wholesaler because I I'm okay eating the marshmallows at the end when it's just pure marshmallow. It's so good. Pure, pure sh- sugar. Pure yeah, sugar, yeah. right? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay eating that nasty dry dog food cereal until you get to the marshmallow <laughs> at the end. It's amazing. Anyway, so everyone listening to this, ask I, yourself: I guess Do you they eat won't your? Be our, and they won't be our next. <laughs> they won't be our next sponsor. Lucky Charms. Not yeah. Sponsoring. Yeah. Too bad. No, too bad. You know, I think I did eat save the marshmallows last too. Okay, well, count count chocula is more. Oh, my cho- yeah, that, that, that should be our our our, uh, our new question to the famous four. <laughs> What's what, your what cereal? The famous your favorite, five? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your favorite cereal. Yeah. All right, well, re- remind us again. Go back to the story. I mean, how did you get started? How did you get into this whole game? Um, got started in about 2004. We had uh, briefly moved down to Arizona for a couple years. Decided to. Uh, just kind of jump in, get involved in the local RIA. This is after, of course, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, just like everybody else's story. But uh, started getting local with in, involved with the local RIA, cash flow one on one games, just following people around like a lost dog, and offering <laughs> to do, offering to do pretty much any uh, anything for them, any kind of job. Like if you need me to run across town and get something done, you know, 
And so eventually I got picked up by uh, one or two very kind people who I owe my start to nice. doing, doing crap jobs for them. And then eventually just buying my first house down in Arizona. And we sold it a year later, uh, moved back to Denver with a big check and uh, pretty much been hooked ever since. And uh, never stopped really learning, never stopped uh, finding mentors and masterminds that kind of keep that going. Because every, every time I stop... It feels like everything slows down. So, nice. so just just keeping that uh, education piece rolling for sure. So cool, cool. And yeah. and that was a, that was a live-in flip, correct? That first flip. That was that was a live-in flip. Uh, we had kind of tried to lease option it, and uh, and I had one guy on on the hook, and uh, and I lost him because I had zero experience, of course. But you know, we just decided to move into it, and we we lived there for I think a little bit less than a year. And we ended up selling at the perfect time for Arizona, Phoenix area. And that was, you know, that was pretty much that. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, really quick to those people listening, this is show 96 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 96. All right, Anson, what have you been up to since uh, we talked to you last time? Since you talked to me last time, I've been doing a lot more rehabbing with by myself and with a partner a lot less wholesaling, but that's just because we've just been keeping everything that we would have wholesaled. And uh, any wholesales that I've gotten passed along to me, um, I used to, you know, co-wholesale them, get, you know, shop them to my buyers list. Uh, instead, we've just been buying them and holding, you know, and, and flipping them, obviously. So I, I'd say that that's kind of the big difference, kind of moving in that direction. But, um, that's not to say we've we've done some wholesales in the last year, but it it's been a lot more keep everything that we can find, which is yeah. kind of a not not like a greedy thing, but it's just you know hey these are these are great deals we can make more money on them uh, rehabbing them and there's frankly just kind of less deals out there in general it feels like so so are you keeping them just because you've got better margins on it? Are you keeping them because you've built out a better team to be able to, to handle them? Um, why, why keep them versus the wholesaling? And I'm assuming if there, there's probably some leftovers that you do still wholesale. That's right. Um, we've been keeping more just because the, just because the numbers are better. I mean, we can, you know, in four months make, you know, four times what we could make in, uh, in, in wholesaling. And then there's, there's, so there's not a lot of volume there. So if we would make five grand on a wholesale, instead we're trying to pull down 20 out of a flip. And so uh, if there was a t- huge flood of volume coming down, it would make sense just to keep turning them. But yeah. since there's not a huge flood, you know, we're basically making the most of everything that we got. It's so. kind of like a, a quantity over quality kind of thing. Like, I mean, when there's a lot of deals to be had, you can turn them quickly and get the quantity. But when there's less deals to be had, you got to shoot for the quality. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so on that regard, then, I mean, what have you seen your market? Is that what your market's been doing? What have you seen the last year in your market in Denver? Well, it's been it's been really, really hot. Um, a lot of the A plus neighborhoods are just so on fire that it's it's been hard to find deals in there find find wholesales you know find people who are actually working that market on on good margins and so since it's been great on the sales side so everything that that's been put to market that we've finished rehabbing has been gone pretty much immediately 
you know, just days, one, two days, and that's it. Wow. Multiple offers, you know, one one had 18 offers in the first day. <laughs> wow. It was like, it was like, well, maybe, maybe we underpriced that a little bit, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, let's talk about that. So 18 offers in one day, you know, when you looked back at it and analyzed it, did you underprice it or would you compete? Were you competitive? Or, I mean, I know Denver is really, really tight. I mean, there's, there's not a lot coming out. Uh, right. So I'm I'm just curious about that. Yeah, it was probably like we probably priced it fairly for when we first bought it, and then four months later, you know, we could have marked it up another ten grand from what we thought the ARV would be. We ended up actually we listed for one fifty, one fifty five, and we ended up getting about one seventy five as the top offer. And so, I mean. Yeah, we were we we're kind of on the low side on that, but we ended up where the market was bearing, and it appraised just fine. And that's yeah. what I was going to ask you about. Know, this. Do you fine, run into so. appraisal issues when? Because I know, like in yeah. in a hot market, when you know when there's a lot of buyers out there that want to that want to buy, and so they just keep bidding the price up higher and higher. A lot of times, people run into the problem of, well, sure, they're willing to pay that, but no bank is willing to lend that much because the ARV is not there. But you didn't have that problem on that no. one. No, no, and we haven't had any appraisal problems in the last year, and there's been ones that we've. You know, we thought, let's say, oh, 195 is our ARV, and then when it, when it comes to market, we put it out for 210. Yeah, and uh, and we it still get it. It goes under contract just fine. It 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 passes appraisal. We have no issues. So right <laughs> now, not so much. It's it's kind of slowed down a tiny bit, but anything that's moving ready that's really nice that's being put on the market is is flying off the shelf. So hey, hey really quick, what what is ARV for those people who are unfamiliar? It's the after repair value. So it's what the house is worth after all the upgrades and, and repairs are done to it. So, Perfect. so what, I mean, cause okay, I was just in Denver a couple of weeks ago, you know, visiting Josh and hanging out with the BP office. And when I was there, I went around driving around looking at houses. I pulled up, you know, my Zillow app and I was just cruising neighborhoods. Me and Josh were looking at like property prices. Nice and, plug for Zillow, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, every, well played. Yeah. Well everything, played. everything. The, okay. So everything that we looked at was like, 900,000, a million, you know, a million five, four million, you know, 500,000. Like the cheapest house I saw the whole time was like 500,000. So where are you buying in Denver? I mean, what kind of neighborhoods are these that you're buying 150 or 170? Because I, I apparently I wasn't in those neighborhoods. Yeah, no, I don't think you were. If you, if you were anywhere around Josh's office, that's a, that's a really hot high end area and where, uh, you know, attached townhomes are selling for one, yeah, one million. So, uh, so that, that area, not so much. It feels like, Everything that we've done in the last about two years has been in the suburbs of Denver. So, okay. you know, the north suburbs or the southeast suburbs where these are the cookie cutter. Everything was built in the 70s. You know, we're not running into any crazy sewer issues. We're not running into any anything like that. So basically kind of, I wouldn't say on the outskirts of Denver, but definitely, you know, Denver Central is, is, is very hot. It's very, it's just you really can't find a house for $150,000, $200,000 that you would want to move into. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit on the outskirts and with that comes newer houses that have a lot less issues. They're not built in the 1910s yeah. and you have to deal with all that stuff. So, yeah, you know, and it's, it's, it's a good point. I'm glad we we're talking about this because, you know, people always ask on the forums or just generally you, you hear people asking, Hey, what's a good city to invest in? Right. And, 
what we're talking about here is how localized real estate really is. I yep, mean, it's yep. literally localized within a few miles, oh, yeah. uh, neighborhood by neighborhood. You know, uh, where we're located, our office, it's in Cherry Creek. It's a higher end neighborhood. Houses, like you said, attached houses are a million plus. Um, wh- whereas an attached house three miles away might run you one hundred fifty, one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. So it's, uh, you know, it's important for for newer investors to understand that. You know, it's, it could even go block by block. You know, when, when you're considering, when you're looking at real estate, you can't look at it on that. A city is, a, is, is really a macro level. It's too big. You have to go on a neighborhood by neighborhood level. And, uh, you know, I think Anson here is, is proving that with exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Hey, so you mentioned earlier something called co-wholesaling. I'm just curious. What, what is that? I don't know that we've talked about that term before on the show. It's, uh, it's, it's where, uh, maybe another wholesaler has a deal and he's having a hard time selling it. And if, uh, if I come along with, with my buyers list, I can shop it to my buyers. Um, if I have somebody who wants to buy it, then, then that wholesaler and, and I can, you know, split the fee or maybe I mark it up, but it, it's kind of a contentious thing because, you know, you see a lot of wholesalers trying to co-wholesale, but they're not getting the other wholesalers permission well, to they're stealing. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but like I've seen a lot even the last couple of days where friends of mine on Facebook are like, I just got my own deal shopped back to me for fifteen <laughs> grand more than I have it. You know, and then some of them actually went ahead and, and, and tried to play with those people and you know, <laughs> you know like nice. yeah, yeah, I'll buy it. Go ahead and, you know, get me information from the you know, from the seller or whatever, and like, you know, <laughs> really try to bind these people up. But um, so, so I don't try to go about about it that way. If if it's basically um, friends of mine or people who I know in the market here locally who have a deal, maybe they've pushed it out to the buyers. They haven't got anything. I'll contact them and say, "Hey, can I just shop this to my list? We'll figure it out." Um, if I have a buyer, great. We, you know, you win, I win, they win. Yeah. Everybody wins. So um, co-wholesaling is exactly that, but I wouldn't do it without permission, without, you know, even sometimes an agreement. Sometimes, uh, you know, that equitable interest thing gets weird when you're not even the person who has it under contract and you're trying to sell it. So so definitely get permission and maybe have an agreement with that person that says, hey, you know, this address, I'm going to try to sell for you. You know, we can have it locked up, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's a very, very, very fast way, not doing what you're doing, but, but, you know, just saying, Hey, here's a wholesale deal, find it on, on a site somewhere, find it on Craigslist and just start selling it to people with the hope you can get a buyer and then go back to the guy who's listing it and say, Hey man, I found a buyer for your deal. Well, dude, you don't have my permission to promote that. What, what are you doing? Right. Right. Exactly. And, and that, that leads to, that could lead to some serious problems, some reputation issues and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. challenges. So I love, just, don't I love, do that. I love when I see MLS properties on Craigslist for like 15 or $20,000 more than they're on the MLS for. And nice. yeah, some, somebody's <laughs> just hoping that they went and found it on Redfin or Zillow or Trulia and they're like, I'll just put it over on Craigslist and mark it up 20 grand and hope that I can make yes. that profit. Like that's wholesaling somebody. to them. Yeah, yeah, somebody will get in there, right? Yeah, that's that they're thinking, and that's called getting yourself in a lot of a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's yeah. also true. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. So, okay, so flipping houses—that's what you've been focusing on, rehabbing and flipping. Um, we talked about why it's because of the whole quantity versus quality thing. Uh, so maybe we can kind of talk about how are you in today's competitive market? How are you finding deals? Okay, um, a lot of them have been straight MLS. You know, that's a game for me. That's 
losing its appeal day by day just because it is that Groundhog's Day thing. It's you're going out there with the most competition. Everybody's eyes are on there and and looking for the same kind of thing. So yeah. So in the meantime, been doing some you know direct marketing with one of my partners. We've been uh, knocking on doors of pre like you like you physically have been actually knocking on doors. Yep. That's awesome. Oh, wow. here's yeah. why I think that's awesome, right? Because you're like a professional full time, like you're yep. doing this real estate investor, and like that's not you know too low for you. You don't have to go and you know hire a you know I don't know. I'm mean, not saying anything bad about hiring people, but I just love the right, fact right. that you're out there hustling still, like and making making your business work. I love that. Well, you just said the word. He's hustling. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. that's why he's probably that's why he's one successful of the most and, active yeah. investors I know in town. Yep. I mean, he's a hustler, and that's that's a good thing. Right, and it's not it's not glamorous work. I mean, it's it's almost literally where I started at in Phoenix was you know one of the guys like, hey, I don't have anybody in that neighborhood, you know, in that area. Can you just knock doors for me? And that was kind of my my start in the whole thing. And nobody loves to do it, but it's definitely you know the more uncomfortable things are, that's where you find less people, so yep. less, less competition, anyways. Yeah. So there, there might be a few people knocking on doors, but so let's, um, let's talk about door knocking a little bit. I don't think we've ever actually really focused on that. And and I want to make a point on on that, sure. by the way, because I, you know, when I got started as an agent, I used to door knock, and it was a hor- it's horrible. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's it really is not fun. You get people slam the door in your face, and you know, you try and be polite, and you know, I baked cookies once, and you know, they threw <laughs> them at me, and some lady punched me once. No, that's all. Those are all lies, actually. But I did door knock. And it was, it was, it was horrible, but there was nobody else doing it in the area that I was doing it. So it did help me to get an in. And, and what you just said, Anson, about doing the unglamorous things, I used to also go and, and hang uh, door hangers. Uh, so I door knock and if they weren't there, I put a hanger on the door. That's, that's exactly where I started. And, exactly. and, you know, what I've noticed is this, like in my house, I never get hit up by investors. I never get hit up by agents. None of them are marketing in my area. I have like one or two agents who send something in the mail to me, but nobody's marketing to me. And, you know, I'll be selling my house at some point, probably in the next year. And I don't even know who I would use as an agent. You know, maybe you, but, but, uh, I, I don't know who I would use because there's nobody marketing to me. And it's so silly. Like you guys get out there. Cause I know there's a lot of agents that quote unquote work my neighborhood. But they're all doing the lazy stuff, right? They're trying to get, get the low-hanging fruit and nobody's putting in the extra effort to bang on the door, get to know everybody in the community and be the guy that everybody's like, oh, yeah, that guy's always kind of around, being helpful, offering stuff, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so how are you door knocking? I mean, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Obviously, you're knocking on doors, but do you just drive up a random street or how does that work? Uh, well, for, it, it's a little more targeted. So we're getting, uh, we're getting pre-foreclosure lists. And based, and we can filter those out by equity. We can filter them out by all kinds of things. But I usually go for they only have one loan, and they have a little bit of equity. You know, at least, well, some are a lot of equity. We 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 target those first, but there's not all that many out there. But sure. and so you have this list, and it might be you know 15 in an area or 15 to 20 in a zip code. So we you know just jump in the car, go knock on the door. A lot of times they're not home, so we'll leave them a note. We'll just leave them like a handwritten note, either a sticky note or something in an envelope with their first name on it so that when they get home, they see something, they open it up, you know. And there's a lot of theories around, you know, how to open up people, how to, you know, what you say in that note that you leave. And for me, it's basically just, hey, Joe, I really need to talk to you. 
can you give me a call? And then my name and then phone number. And a lot of times it's like, hey, what do you want? You're like, who are you? What do you want? And so it's a little bit talking them down off that ledge. But you're doing <laughs> that anyways if you're knocking on their door and you're like, hey, I understand your house has a sale date of you know November 29th. What do you want to you know kind of go that route? You're talking people down on the, on that way too because you're you're basically just by physically standing there, you're like a physical representation of the, of the problem <laughs> yeah, of, of, the man, of, of the problem that they don't want to deal with in the right. first place. Yeah. So you standing there is, is usually enough to either enrage people or, uh, you know, depends on where they're at in the process, but usually there's a lot of anger involved. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so two things. One, why would you even choose to do that? Like when I was doing it, I was doing it as a realtor in a neighborhood of people who weren't in deep trouble, right? So, right. you know, I, I probably would not be the door knocking, uh, door knocking on pre-foreclosures uh, because for that very purpose, I'm not as substantial an individual as you are. But uh, uh, I know you pack heat, so you know, <laughs> that always helps. Whoa, rumors. <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. But, but like, hey, why not just send the mail to them? Right. Or or get on the phone versus doing that, and then um, have you had any experiences where people are like you know really really angry and get almost get physical to that point? I mean, and in terms of like safety, is it something that the five foot three woman who's you know wants to be an investor should be doing? And I know many of you five foot three women are very capable of defending yourselves. However, <laughs> no, it uh, so the first part. In that, why you know why am I doing this? It's basically with direct mail, and we do, and we've been ramping up direct mail, just not to this list. There's since that list is readily available, it's public information. There's a lot of people who are going after that. So while they have might have twelve letters from investors that are easily ignored, you just don't have to open them. It's a little bit harder to ignore, you know, six foot one guy, you know, two hundred something pounds that's knocking on your door. Not in a mean way. I, I I'm there to genuinely help, but there's a lot less competition that way too. And literally, this is why. Because when you have people who have, you know, they might owe thirty. This is a literal scenario when where they owed about thirty thousand dollars on this house, as is was worth easily one hundred and ten, and then fixed up one seventy somewhere in that neighborhood. And we're knocking on their door. It was about three weeks before their foreclosure date, and they're standing there going. I don't know what to do. Like I, I didn't know that I could sell it. I didn't know, I didn't know I could sell it to you. I didn't know I could sell it on the market. Like I literally don't know what to do. And so if you can stand, you know, if you could be a help to them and help them, and then also obviously you're running a business too. But you know, if in a lot of times with with uh, short sales, I can also say if it's not working out for me, I can definitely try to either help them sell it as an agent. I have that in my tool belt. Or I can refer them to an agent or, you know, a lot of times they just don't know what to do. Their head might be so far in the sand that they're just not thinking correctly. And so w- when it came to that deal, it was it was just a light bulb. Like, oh, this is exactly why I'm doing this. Because they're ignoring their mail, but they're, they, they're not ignoring me and I'm standing here talking to them. I'm the only one. Yeah. literally standing there talking to them. Yeah. So that, that's a huge advantage. So. That's great. That's great. And then and, yeah. as far as safety... Uh, I wouldn't say it's for everybody. It you have to have a pretty thick skin. A lot of people slamming doors in your faces. A lot of people who who get pretty angry. I haven't had, you know, any angry elves since uh, probably Arizona. It seemed like 
I don't know what it is about Arizona. There's just <laughs> hot hotheads or something, but nice. uh, there was there was a lot of like you just made a lot of know, fans, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I I love Phoenix. No, there's there's a lot of you know jacked up trucks parked in the middle of the yard and having to go up and knock on this door, and you know that it's going to be it might be confrontational, and so don't don't be afraid. Just to, it's not worth it to to just, you know just don't be afraid to walk away. Just walk away if you feel like you're ever you know in danger at all. I mean, it's not worth it. It's one house on a list of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, totally not worth it. Don't put yourself at risk. So, yeah. And, and it's a good point. And, you know, safety has been something that's really been at the forefront of the real estate industry lately. Uh, we had the, the murder of the agent. I forget where it was uh, uh, about a month ago. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that, that can, there's a lot of crazy people out there, right? Bottom line. And, and, you know, whether you're an investor or agent, you know, I, I think we all basically should be looking out for each other and, and, you know, be smart and be safe. And if you ever feel like you're in a position where you're uncomfortable, get out. You know, it's as Hanson said, it, it's not worth it. You know, it's there's other deals, other opportunities will come. And, you know, you should really have a plan as both investor and agent. And, you know, I think one of the easy things that people can do is if you're going to door knock, let somebody know. You know, where you're going to be, what your plan is. If you're showing houses or if you're just, you know, showing your own house, let, let, let somebody else know where you are, you know, just in case. It's just oh. always a good practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Let them know where you're going and maybe just a list of addresses. Say, hey, my plan's to hit up these 20. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Maybe, awesome. Yeah. Hey, so, so you mentioned the lists. Where, where can somebody get absentee lists? I, I, this, is it from like list source or something like that? Um, the one that I was talking about is pre-foreclosure, and that's, uh, that is public information. You can usually go to your county website and pick that up. Yep. In Denver, there's a subscription website. It's called ReNav that we use. And it's nice because you can just filter out a lot of things by equity or lenders or, or stuff like that. As far as I know, they're only in Colorado. Yeah. So not huge help for a, a, a nationwide audience. But yeah. I'm sure that there's something in available, you know, uh, for on a greater level, maybe gotcha. foreclosures.com, but I've never used it. So sure. Don't want to plug it too hard. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So we, we talk about finding deals. How are you, uh, how are you going about financing your deals? So we basically reached out to people three years ago who had individuals and we found these people on list source, actually. There's just individuals who had made loans uh, to similar you know, investors and basically called them up or sent a mail that said, Hey, I see that you loaned on 123 Main Street. We do similar projects in a similar area. Would you like to, you know, start dating so that we can uh, eventually, yeah. eventually get married and, and <laughs> be, be for, you know, together forever after? But these, these two guys have been great. Um, they're basically just guys who have a lot more money than they know what to do with and are happy with secured first position notes on real estate. So, nice. Nice. Cool. So, so if somebody else wanted to do that, how does somebody go about finding private lenders like this? So you can do exactly what I did, which is go to listsource.com and uh, they pull all kinds of general lists. But under the mortgage tab, there's an option for private party loans. And this is where it's an individual and not an institution. So it knows the difference between Josh Dorkin loaning on a property and Wells Fargo. So you can pull all these. I'd pull the most recent six months and then boom, there's an entire list of private money lenders in your area. Some, some I think might be hard money lenders, but 
I think the majority are, you know, basically guys like mine. They're just guys who have relationships with known investors. And, uh, you know, if you can get them on your team, then all, all the better. That's great. That's, That's great. great. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think, I don't think we've heard anybody, uh, use that as well, at least tell us about that secret. There are no secrets, people. Um, right. Anson's pissed off. Everybody <laughs> in Colorado, don't do that. But right. uh, anyone else, go ahead. But uh, yeah, no, no I, th- I think it's a great idea. I mean, you're literally targeting those people who, who are looking for exactly what you're providing. So th- why not? Exactly. That's great. That's great. Cool. So, and you said that you've got two people, uh, two private lenders. How long did it take? How many people do you think you hit up to, to get those two people? Probably twenty thirty. Okay, which which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know maybe they're you know these people's terms weren't what we were looking for, you know. And so I think we just kind of hit on the right people at the right time, and then um, thinking about going out and doing kind of a second round of this, and not only to retest the waters, but it'd be nice to have a little bit more capital at time. So yeah, you gonna go yeah. Uh, pull up that list, get their home addresses, and knock on their doors. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's the best way to do it. No, hey. You, yeah, hey. I, no, uh, put that skill to the test. No, but it's uh, either a lot of people mail mail them, but if you can get their phone number on whitepages.com or something like that, I mean, just a just a quick cold call can usually meet, you know, be exactly what you need. Yeah. Set up, you know, if you can set up a meeting and like I said, start dating before you you know, go anywhere else. I mean, a, a lot of guys will throw their hat in the ring with somebody who has a track record and, and a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you had the balls to call them up and, yeah. you know, solicit them. And, and you, and if you're serious and you have a track record, then they would see the, the benefit to that. All right. So you've got a track record, you know, or so you claim yeah, that's great. You know, you're calling me up, you want my money. What, you know, how do you demonstrate that track record to me? How, how do I believe a word you say? Well, we usually have, uh, you know, the last number of properties, sometimes all of them that we've ever done and basically just, just you know, present it to them to say, hey, here's the numbers on our last X amount of deals. Yeah. And, you know, you can look them up by tax records. You know, it's all verifiable, you know, this this information. They, yeah. If they need to drill down and see, you know, HUD ones and uh, promissory notes and stuff that we've done with other investors, I don't think I'd be too you know, that would be fine. I mean, basically anything that gives us credibility. Yeah. And if they need a little bit more then you know, it's all there. We're, we're not trying to hide anything from anybody. Right. So. Right. Do, so do you have a, sorry, do you have a package like that you provide them or, or you're like, Hey, just look me up. Probably should have a package. I mean, we would print something out if we were going to run, you know, run to meet somebody, but it's like I said, something that we've done one round of. And so it hasn't been, you know, definitely need to sharpen those skills. So yeah, um, go go back around for round two, and maybe we'll have something a, a lot more professional. Yeah. You know, so nice, you know, but that's kind of like the whole uh, theory behind. I mean, I do a webinar on BP every couple of weeks about like how to analyze properties, and I walk people through the the bigger pockets rental property calculator or the flipping calculator that we have. Uh, and it, my like main like belief is that if you're trying to attract financing, you need to have a professional image to show people, especially if you are new. If you don't have like, hey, here's the addresses for the last 30 houses I did. If you don't have that, um, at least come together with something professional that says, look, I know how to do my numbers. I know how to take, you know, 
do to you, like picking on him? This is our guest. No, no, no nice. he, he's got the 30 wow. more deals. He doesn't need, he doesn't Ooh. need that, right? He, he doesn't need that. He just got to like walk in the room and be like, whoa, was that Anson? He was on yeah. the Bigger Pockets podcast. Oh my God. No, Two no, episodes. No, no. Oh my, oh, that guy's amazing. <laughs> anyway, so. A legend. Um, <laughs> a, legend a legend. A legend. He's a legend. A legend. So anyway, so that's why I always, I always encourage people to, especially when they're new, is to do an analysis on a property. If you're brand new, then just do a sample analysis. That's a, that's a tip that Michael Blanc, uh, who's a writer on our blog, um, he always says is put together a sample deal. Don't lie and say it's a real deal when it's not, but this is what the deal is going to look like. Uh, this is what I'm looking for in a deal and present that to a lender or a partner or whoever it is you're trying to do. I love that tip. I think that's awesome because yeah. it, sure. it, it no, says, I oh, that's great. yeah, they know what they're doing. So um, it's kind of on that same note then, for somebody who's brand new and just starting out, besides having a presentation, do you have any tips for people who are listening that need to attract financing? Because that's hard to get financing for deals. What, what do you suggest for people? It is. And, and I think the caliber of the individuals that, that we did attract, um, they, wouldn't, they, they, they probably wouldn't have lent to us on our first deal, you know, our second deal. These are guys where track record was huge. And so you know, it's just starting out. Um, I think I said this on my first podcast, but it was based, you know, my, my very first flip deal was basically partnering up with somebody who did have cash and wanted to find a flip. I had a little bit of experience in finding these distressed properties. And so creating a, you know, a kind of a partnership where he's bringing the money. I'm bringing pretty much, uh, a deal. I'm bringing the Anson, bringing the Anson, (laughs) which is uh, worth a lot. Um, but (laughs) no, but you know, it, I, I would say a partnership like that could be, you know, could be huge on the first few deals. And then once you have even two under your belt, you know, say, Hey, we did two in the last, you know, three, four, six months, whatever, you know, that that's more track record than a lot of investors even have. And so coming, you know, then coming to, you know, where you're cold calling, soliciting people from a list source, then it becomes a little bit easier. But you know, in the beginning, I'd say, just like you said, like, hey, here's some sample deals. This is, you know, you can build a sample deal based off of your, your, uh, your criteria and your business model. And then when you're presenting that to, to investors, you say, hey, this is exactly the kind of deal I'm looking for. I won't do a deal that's less than this because yeah. then it puts it at risk. And so you basically funnel your business plan into, let's say, the, uh, the bigger pockets flipping calculator. And there you can say, this is my ideal deal. And 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 putting in that much work beforehand, I think, lends to a lot of credibility. They, you know, you didn't just show up and with a blank piece of paper, you have something there that's, you know, hey, I've analyzed the numbers backwards and forwards on potential deals or the ideal deal, you know, and this is exactly what my business is looking for. I won't put your money at risk or you know, my money at risk for anything less. Yeah. And so, and I think a package, you know, should include deals. It should include, you know, if you haven't done deals, professional. What are your criteria? What are you looking for? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to find these deals? What, you know, what you're planning to do with them, your references, personal, professional, you know, anyone who, who has been around that can vouch for you and anything you can uh, put together to demonstrate that you have some semblance of credibility, even though you have not done a deal is going to uh, assist you in building that credibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, uh, and re- really quick on the calculators that we were mentioning, you guys both mentioned, uh, you can find those at biggerpockets.com slash analysis if you're looking. Also, this is show 96 of the Bigger Pockets podcast, and you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash 
show 96. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. All right, Anson. So what kind of house makes the perfect flip? 
Um, what kind of house favorite? For at least, me, at least for you, yeah. For me, yeah. No, for me, I I do like the uh, the the more suburban houses that don't need a whole lot of insanity. I see a lot of the benefits to adding square footage or pop tops or you know scrape and builds those type of things. That's just not where I'm at right now. So if I can get a 70s house in the suburbs that needs you know a ton of updating, pretty much top to bottom. And get that at a significant enough discount, you know. And in my area of town, it's it's a uh, you know it's a desirable school district. So if I can find something in that in that school district, there's you know one huge plus plus move in ready plus you know pretty much a lot of things that hit on people's checklists when they when they're looking for houses. Yeah. It's move in ready in the right school district. I mean that's exactly what I'm looking for, pretty much. Yeah. Right on, so. right on. So, you know, the inside could be a, a hot mess, but you're not going to bust out walls, out external walls and, you know, scrape or, or pop the top here in town. You're going to yeah. just clean out the inside. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'd like to eventually get into more of the development side, but, you know, it's, it, that's another big step up too. So yeah. in my progression of where I'm at, I'm, I just know that I'm not, a hundred percent ready for that since I don't know a lot of the numbers on foundations and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, basically excavating and going from the ground up. Yeah. And so, Gotcha. Gotcha. And we've got a couple of really cool threads about those topics. Uh, Jay Scott in particular has started a few of them um, and we'll, we'll find links to it in the show notes, but he literally does a house build from, from start to finish and walks through the entire process and shows you know, everything that he's done and it's it's amazing and, and well worth uh, a look. Um, uh, do, do you ascribe to the seventy percent rule as a flipper? And and can you tell us what that is? Well, the seventy percent rule is um, basically you take your ARV, which we talked about earlier, you multiply that by seventy percent. So now you have something that's seventy percent of your ARV, and then you usually back out your expenses, your rehab, and then your potential profit. And that's pretty much where you want, you know, where this guideline says that you want want your house to be at. Yeah. So if so if it makes sense after all that, then great. I'd love to do seventy percent deals all the time. Yeah. But it it's you know they're a little bit more rare because at the end of the day you're not buying at seventy percent of ARV. You're buying closer to sixty, fifty five percent of ARV. So if yeah. a house is worth a hundred thousand, you might have to buy it at fifty five to make right. it work. With all those other numbers, rehab, profit, um, expenses, all that fun stuff. So I would say that it's a great guideline to filter deals through. It just doesn't work in every market. Yep. And that's that's been you know well talked about, I guess, on the forums and everything else. But yeah. um, if it's a seventy percent deal here, then it then it's a deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. And and in other markets, it might not be. But it's not hard and fast. Usually ours is like. We want to make a minimum of twenty thousand dollars after everything. Okay, and and so that that's kind of our rough numbers that we work with. Okay, so you start with the profit in mind, and then work backwards from there instead of working from some you know seventy percent rule, I guess. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Cool. Right on. Yep. And how good are you at at hitting those numbers? And how good were you when you started? I mean, was that a natural progression? I'm assuming the answer is yes. It it is. I think one of the crap jobs I took when I moved back to Denver was basically doing BPOs for an agent for eight hours a day. So I'd crank out, um, you know, 10 to 15 BPOs a day. And, uh, 
that was invaluable to my knowledge at ARV and yeah. that piece of it. When it came when it came down to kind of going into the market and flipping myself, the the missing piece was estimating rehabs. And yeah. so that piece, you know, obviously Jay Scott has a has a has a book out about it. That's pretty much the only book that I know that that's that's that detailed and comprehensive. The estimate but, book on estimating rehab costs. Yep, yep. Exactly. And so while the ARV piece, you know, it it started off with a lot of good experience getting that. Um, even then it gets refined and, and and honed over time. But for me the rehab piece was the big piece and that was a lot of, you know, uh, my my first partner was uh, who lent the money was was also in I wouldn't say in construction, but he did a lot of the work himself. So he knew all, a lot of the numbers on rehab. And then it came to shadowing other investors, following them on, on potential deals to see how much these things were costing them. And then, you know, working with a few contractors and just walking property after property and, and kind of getting a better idea of, of what all those numbers are because the, the whole key is to the deal. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, really quick, the book, the estimating book, uh, you can pick that up if you're interested. It's the Bigger Pockets uh, book on estimating rehab costs uh, at biggerpockets.com slash flipping book. And you can also get the book on flipping houses at that place. And it's, it's a great book, covers a ton of stuff. You, you mentioned BPOs and uh, BPOs, it's what broker price opinions. I always get the BP and O. No, is that, that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's so, it. you know, just for those people listening, what is a BPO? And I, I love the idea that you went and did BPOs. I, as an agent, was desperate, was desperate to do BPOs uh, because I wanted to learn about the industry. And I thought it was a good in to get in with REO banks and eventually become an agent that the, the banks would call up to list their properties with. So, sure. you know, if we could just spend like a minute or two just kind of explaining how all that works. Yes. So, and, it, and I think that it, it was a good way to get in with banks kind of back in the day Yeah, was they would start you off with, you know, hey, we're going to assign, you know, 10 BPOs over time to this agent. If they crank them out, they do a good job, they do them on time and their values are are pretty good, then they might feed you you know, a listing or something like that. Yeah. I, I'd say that those days probably are, are gone. Yeah. Um, but so BPO broker price opinion, usually it's a bank assigns it, but I know that there's, you know, note servicing companies who want BPOs on their houses. There's, there's a lot of other uses for these. It, it's kind of a appraisal light. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a licensed appraiser, but these banks are, were entrusting us to provide a value for these you know, these houses in foreclosure. And so, you know, at the time it was, it was kind of just a BPO farm that would just farm it out to agents. We would get assigned a certain number a day, you know, we'd crank those out at $50 a piece or whatever they're paying. And so it really consisted of driving by the property, taking pictures of the outside. Um, at the time, you know, couldn't really knock on the doors and get on the inside. They just didn't want that. So outside pictures, pictures of the street, you know, basically they wanted notes on everything that's going around in the neighborhood, what the curb appeal is, all that fun stuff. And then a lot of the work starts when you're pulling comps on the MLS comparables, three active, three sold, and you plug all those into their spreadsheet and you can do adjust, you know, adjustments on those comps. So basically if this is a three, two, three bedroom, two bath, and this is a three bedroom, three bath, what would the adjustment be for that extra bathroom? And so that's kind of the you know, the, the short version of, of, of what an adjustment is. But yeah. so you would go through that whole report and then 
come up with a value that you thought that it would sell for as is, and then what a value that you would assign to it if it was repaired. So if they put in the work to fix the roof, fix the uh, the outside, paint it, do landscaping, obviously you don't know what's going on inside, but you can kind of estimate what's going on. And so you would give those two values and then ship it off to the bank and, you know, get your 50 bucks, but nice. nice. <laughs> and and it's, I mean, it's a great way to, to get to know the process and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's cool that you did that. So no, thank you for, for explaining that. I, I think a lot of people hear these terms thrown around and I want to make sure that we at least do our part to, to cover it. Um, back to the flipping contractors. So how do you find and manage them? Okay. That's, I don't want to be a broken record because I, I know we talked oh, about this a little oh, bit the first time, oh. but um, my experience with contractors isn't great. It's basically... Um, Let's ask another question then. No, 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 no. <laughs> For all the contractors who Anson has uh, jerked over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> no, it, um, you know, it was basically, you know, a, a big contracting firm here in Denver um, that left, you know, a ton of investors high and dry. And this was um, 2010, right into 2011 is when this whole thing happened. And and thankfully, I wasn't hugely screwed by it, but I did have two or three investor friends who also were using this company who got just worked over. Yeah. Just basically, they just dis- disappeared overnight. And and they, these guys had written five figure draws to them, you know, thirty thousand dollar draw. And uh, yikes. Yeah, and that money is nowhere to be seen. So and hopefully they're in jail. <sighs> no, <laughs> no, they're not. That's but awesome. um, yeah, I know. So, so when it comes to trusting contractors, that's definitely something that I that I need to work out. I've, I've talked to a lot of people here locally, and and right when I was kind of about to jump back into that realm, because right now we we kind of project manage um, small crews, and then we sub out anything that needs a uh, that needs a permit. So electrical, HVAC, those kind of things get subbed out to licensed contractors. And then any non-licensed work that, that can be done, we have crews that we just manage. And that that's worked out really well. And while we've cycled through a couple of crews, we're not entrusting them with the entire job. You know, there's there's kind of a puzzle piece that comes together. And so that's been the workaround to being, you know, screwed by a contractor. And right when I was about to dip my feet back in, um, there was just a couple of horror stories through the bigger pockets meetups of contractors who have just worked over some of these uh, BP members, and some of them, you know, newer or like right on their first or second flip, and uh, and it really just didn't. It just doesn't set well with me that somebody can just run off and then change their business name and then work start work next week. Oh, you know, awful. it's like, that's so awful. Uh, so finding them, yeah. I think, you know, I think Jay Scott has a lot of, a lot of good uh, advice on that where you can show up to home Depot early. And I've done that to find, you know, different, different pieces of, of that puzzle that we talked about. Um, I think that that's a great way to do it. Honestly, is, is to find the hustlers who are working hard and, and find those guys and, you know, and usually a lot of times when you find these people, don't let them go because they're, yep. you know, they're they're, they're so good. Yeah. But you know, there's always a time when things change in in the arrangement or these people's lives where you know things start going downhill. You need to recognize that immediately and start cutting. Yeah. So, yeah. and my, you know, my my philosophy, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, you know, this this is kind of my experience. I, I'm curious, both of you guys. You know, generally, 
when I've dealt with contractors, uh, and again, this is not all because there are some really amazing contractors that are, are, you know, phenomenal, but it seems like uh, the contractors I've always kind of run across are always looking to do something bigger and better, looking to do their own projects, but never quite have all the skills that they need to do that. You know, they're not organized enough or they, they're not financially capable enough or something else that they, they never quite fully get there. And so a lot of them seem to kind of come and go and, you know, flip and flop in the wind. Now, again, yeah, don't, I, I'm going to get, you know, slammed by contractors with hate mail now. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, my, my dad's an electrical contractor. So, I you know, I totally appreciate contractors and, and good ones who are professional. But boy, oh boy, man, there's, there's just a whole lot of unprofessional ones. And it's, it's so challenging, so challenging to, to weed through them. And I, I don't know, I know we've talked about it, but even the guys that we've talked to on the show who've done a ton of deals, just, you know, we all have problems finding real solid contractors. That's true. I found that um, it, it's very much an e-myth thing. People who are good at baking doesn't mean they're good at running a bakery. That's like the whole theory of the e-myth book. And people who are good at fixing a door, good at fixing a flooring, sanding a floor down, installing insulation, whatever, are not necessarily good at running a contracting business. And I think that's the problem that contractors face. And I think uh, yeah, I don't know the answer necessarily. I think we've got a lot of good suggestions we've heard on the podcast, but nobody's, I mean, nobody has like a foolproof way because there just clearly is not a foolproof way to get a good contractor. I think that's what yeah, it comes down no, to. Absolutely. I I don't know if we figure it out. Yeah. If, if we can figure out the formula, we'll be, we'll be rich boys. There. <laughs> we'll be rich. Well, and I think what you said was key was hanging on to the ones when you do find them because there yeah. are, they are there. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So once you find them, you just treat them well, you pay them well. And you reward them well, and and I think that's how you do it. So, well, and you had mentioned something else. You had mentioned the BP meetups as as a place to go to quote BP meetups, right? Uh, people who create meetups through BP um, as a place to 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 link up with other investors and kind of share notes on who you're working with and who's bad and who might be great. I I think that's an amazing idea, and whether it's a BP meetup or a local real estate club, a RIA, or or something more formalized. You know the in-person networking is is essential. It's it's just so so important. And so you know, I know Brandon and I talked about this, and, and we want to chat really quick about the whole concept of these local meetups. And and uh, really quickly, as a result of Bigger Pockets, we've got two hundred and fifteen, two hundred twenty thousand members now. Our members have have realized, hey, this is a great opportunity to find all these other local people, get together, and let's just. You know, let's network, do business, do deals, you know, without having to potentially go to a, a another club or, or meeting that's happening in town that might be all about upselling you. You know, you kind of just get together and it's kind of an independent, quote unquote, bigger pockets meetup, right? So you started one here in Denver. And so maybe you could talk about why, why did you start having a, a local meetup and, and why would somebody else want to do that? So right after the bigger pockets, conference which no there was an actual conference but uh, anson is using his quote fingers <laughs> to to mention the bigger pockets conference but there was one a couple of years ago there was one yeah and so there needs to be one again oh we my god the we pressure won't, we won't talk about the that pressure. The pressure. <laughs> now you have the staff involved so you can probably and we can pass it, it off to somebody well if you guys continue <laughs> to push me and pressure we will. me we, we will. will don't worry anyway yeah. so right after so right after that um there was after mm-hmm. after an evening session there was probably about 15, 20 people just hanging out in the bar of the Hyatt 
just this free form of ex- of expression of just it was like the forums on crack plus beer. <laughs> it was well, yeah. So it was <laughs> sounds it, deadly. It was this it was this kind of hyper networking with people who you who you know, and and you might only know them through online, and that's kind of a newer phenomenon. But you know. You've listened to them. You do realize online has been like 20 years now. It's not that new. Well, <laughs> a lot of people find a- their wives and husbands and, you know, I, I'm just saying it's a new phenomenon. <laughs> uh, so there was this, just this great exchange of, of ideas and, and, and people that you know from online. And so I think I, and, and I talked to Brandon about this, but I think I came to you, Josh, and I was like, that was amazing. Let's do that locally. And you were like, "Great, you take I the want lead. nothing to do with it because <laughs> I, I don't I don't have enough time to do it." And right. so that's where that's where it was born out of was basically. And then I posted something on the forums not too long after that says, "Hey, let's you know continue that, or if you weren't involved in that, let's start kind of that process here." And so it's it's kind of just an informal group that gets together, and we there's no agenda, there's no speaker, there's nothing sold, obviously, and it's basically just. We're all going to introduce ourselves. We're going to we're going to talk about what we do or what we want to do, and then we'll just open it up, and you can go find and tackle that person that you really want to talk to, and uh, and bend their ear all night. And that's basically how it works. And yeah. so it, it's been great for you know finding contractors or finding uh, you know these ancillary contractors of electricians or just people like that who people really want to share. You know, we talk about deals. We talk about deals that people might have, people, what they're looking for, what they want to do, you know, yeah. just all, all kinds of stuff. That's great. That's great. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's meetups now in dozens and dozens of cities around the country and world. I mean, I know uh, Brandon was at one in New Jersey with a Darren Sager plan that had like 150, yeah. 200 people. Wow. There, there's a, there's one in Seoul, Korea yeah, that yeah. meets, I think it's maybe once a month and they get you know, I think a dozen or two dozen people to that. They send pictures to us on Twitter. It's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, that's like cool. and and so anyone listening, if you run a group, a, a meetup group, or through BP or any of you guys putting together groups, share those pictures, share what you guys are doing because you know you're going to get other people excited and and you know get them to want to be involved. And of course, the more people that get involved and get excited about your local meetup the more people now you're networking with about deals and that you have in your circle to, to build up. So it's, it's a, it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, why would somebody want to host a meetup? Is it complicated? Is there a lot to do or, or is it just like, let's find a bar and do it? Yeah, it's pretty much find a bar and do it. And I think you provided us our first place at the, the work share place that you were at. And when that stopped working, I just reached out to another bigger pockets member who, who lived more central downtown and said, where would be a great place to, to do this? And she said, here. And so we, we just started doing it there. And, and what I would say is uh, contact the management and just basically say, we're going to have you know five to 20 people here because that, that's kind of what, where our group is at. And so uh, we're going to have five to 20 people here. Can you, can you offer us any kind of happy hour or special or reserve you know, a section for us? And so that's pretty much what we did. And now we have you know, happy hour specials. We always have a section reserved, so we don't have to worry about that. We basically just show up, and they know that we're going to be there. Yeah. You know, the, the third Monday of every month. So, um, it, awesome. it's literally that easy. And just yeah. posting it on posting it on the forums to to get the word out there, obviously. Yeah. And uh, and people will come for sure. That's cool. So, and and the key in doing that is you know post in 
I guess, first generate some interest using the local networking area of the site. Just say, hey, I'm in you know, Phoenix, Arizona, and I want to do a local meetup and obviously use those words, Phoenix, Arizona, because we have a keyword tool, right? So anybody right. who follows the word keyword uh, Phoenix uh, or Phoenix, Arizona um, is going to get alerted to that. And, and then they'll find out and say, oh, this is great. Which, by the way, as another tip to those people listening, if you don't have a keyword set up on uh, the BiggerPockets keyword to- tool, uh, just go to biggerpockets.com slash alerts. At the very, very, very least, you should probably have your town, your city, the area that you're at as keywords. And your name. Um, you should have your name as a keyword. I, yeah, I have my name. And it's, yep. Yeah, I get, it's I get a lot. A ton. Yeah, because people don't always, always use the app mention feature on BP. Yeah, exactly. So somebody's talking about you, you probably want to know that they're talking about you. Exactly. Right now, for yeah. good and right. bad reasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that jerk Brandon Turner. I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you got my post. Good. Beard. <laughs> That's funny. Beard. Yeah. 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 They, but, they but, talk about yeah. my beard. Yeah. So use that. Yeah. I mean, use the keywords, use the alerts. And, you know, from, from a networking perspective, it's invaluable. It's, it's extremely helpful. And so, you know, just write down, hey, we're looking to do this. Anyone interested? And you get a group of people. And if they're like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. And then post that, you know, post that thing in our events and happenings. Hey, it's happening at this date, this time, this place. And if you build it, they will come. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Cool. All right. Well, my, my kind of last question before we move on towards the later half of the show, can you talk about any mistakes that you've made, uh, whether it was you know early on or maybe even in the last year since we last talked to you? Are there anything that you, you maybe did wrong or you wish you could have done better? I'd say um, when I first started out in wholesaling, I probably made a lot of, of just dumb mistakes like reputation, damaging mistakes of kind of like what we talked about before of, of trying to sell deals that aren't yours without permission. You know, I talked from experience on, on, on a couple of those things. Nothing ever turned out weird or, you know, pissed anybody off. But I'm sure, it, you know, it just doesn't look great when somebody's trying to throw long deals when you just, just mark them up and shoot them out to your list. And, and the person who's, you know, who's selling the deal might be on that list. And so I'm not saying that, that that's exactly what happened, but it's basically just, Little things like that where you know you, you get a little bit more experience, you get a bit, little bit more well-read on the forums and you kind of learn, okay, you know, now that I'm buying houses from wholesalers, you know, ex- that's exactly what I wouldn't want to see from, you know, somebody who's running a business trying to, you know, just trying to do little things like that. I'd say that lately we've been trying to push the boundaries a little bit on design and so there was kind of a funny incident where I posted a, a floor just kind of as a, just to see what people thought on a, on a Facebook group. That's a little bit, they're a little bit uh, more cynical than I'd say the, the average BP member. And so I, I posted a floor shot of, of like, Hey, what do you guys think? We're, we're branching out here. And it immediately, it was like 50, 70 replies and it was pretty evenly split. There's a lot of hate for it. And this is, you know, it's not a big deal. They're, they're basically those reclaimed wood tile looking or reclaimed wood looking tiles. And then we, we kind of did them in this modern kind of design where there's like, you know, a bright white one in the middle of these, of these designs. And so you see that in higher end houses, which we're, which we're trying to do is kind of bring in a little bit of those elements from higher end flips, higher end new builds, those kind of things and put them into a $200,000 median home price house. And so a lot of people who are used to this HGTV idea of everything um, just beige, like a beige explosion in these in these uh, flips, that you know th- it, 
it, it's funny how much like Viterol was just like, I hate that. And so I'd say that, that we've done that lately and probably, I wouldn't say mistakes, but we, we have shut out some buyers that might've been looking for that product. So at a down market, that could have been a huge mistake, but at the same time in an up market, you know, people who you, you might cut out, you know, three out of 10 buyers, right but now you, you still have seven willing to put down a, a money on a contract. So. And you may expand your, your market as well by doing that. Exactly. So yeah. it, I, I think it's just getting bored of seeing the same old thing over and over again, but well, I you think know. it's cool to experiment, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's what you're doing. You're you're yeah. kind of bringing a little bit of art and creativity to what you're doing instead of making it so formulaic, right? Exactly. So, so so you know, I I'd, I'd say that it could have been a, a huge mistake if the market was a little bit down, but at the same time, there's still a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I I might cut out half my buyers just yeah. based on that small poll yeah. of experienced rehabbers, and half of them hated it. They you know they they thought it was the worst, and the other half were like. I, I see you're trying to do something new, you know, do something uh, a little edgy. And it's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm no designer, but yeah, you know, for, for that yeah. many people to just say, I hate it. I knew that I, you know, that we had cut out a big chunk of buyers too. So. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So those are, those are mistakes. What about victories? I mean, what, what, you know, really cool accomplishments. What have you done in the last year that you've been really, really proud of? Um, I'd say two things. One is, uh, is, is cohesive branding. Is is something that I've been trying to do. I'll do a lot of where where my, um, you know, I I brought up a web presence. I think last time that we talked, I was like, I don't really have a website. I don't really need one. And I think that everybody needs one um, in some capacity, whether it's just to vet you as a as a professional or that hey, this this guy really is in business and he has a you know a web page to prove it. Not you know not that that proves everything, but but basically co- cohesive design across the board. When it comes to the the real estate piece, since I am licensed, the you know the uh, any marketing that I'm doing is is branded, and then pretty much having this web presence that's also branded. It, and that sounds like something that's little, like oh, we should have done that first. But for me, that that's been a big uh, victory this year is to get that all all together and taken care of. So now that when I do market, you know, I have this this cohesive thing where it's not just a yellow letter from a random person, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's branded and a little more, um, visibility and a little more credibility. And then the other piece was, um, there was a virtual wholesale deal, which wholesale is kind of the, the marriage of wholesale and retail. And, uh, and it was out of market, obviously two hours North. And that ended up to be a huge learning experience with a lot of pieces of it. But at the end of the day, it was a great deal and learned a ton from it. And that was kind of the, the capstone to, you know, this last quarter was, was, was that deal and, uh, and kind of branching out to, I've done some virtual wholesaling, but doing this virtual wholesale where you, it's a whole different element when you have uh, realtors involved and all kinds of stuff like that. So when you throw it out on the market and you're doing a, you know, instead of doing it to investors, which I'm used to doing, now I'm trying to get a an end buyer, somebody who's going to live there to buy my wholesale deal. And so that was kind of mistakes of I couldn't find a wholesale buyer, buyer in time. So plan B was close on it and then, you know, wholesale it. So didn't do any work to it, just threw it right back there out there on the MLS. And uh, and that was a huge that was that was a great win for recent time. So awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. 
That's great. That's great. All right. Well, let's move on to the world famous. It's time for the fire round. Oh, whoa, whoa, scary. That was scary. All right, question number one. These come from the forums on BiggerPockets, which you can get to at biggerpockets.com slash forums. But number one is uh, what fix-up projects add the most value for the least cost to a rehab, in your opinion? Ooh, I like that question. Ooh, that is a good one. Um, I'd say what pretty much kitchen, bathroom, that's kind of like the the age-old answer, but if you could do a, a kitchen for five grand, a whole brand, you know, brand new kitchen cabinets, tile, um, countertops, all that, plus, you know, about three to four grand per bathroom, that kind of gives you the, the most bang for your buck. I mean, you could have a, a house that needs, you know, little deferred maintenance here and there, but if the kitchen and the bathroom are pristine and they look just amazing, I think that wows a lot of buyers and it, and it helps them kind of overlook some of the, the, the smaller the smaller details like yeah maybe they maybe we didn't scrape the popcorn ceiling but the kitchen and the bathroom are so amazing that that they're just blinded they're like oh i gotta <laughs> buy this so. nice cool. nice all right all right when it comes to wholesaling what sorts of leads produce the most closed deals for you sort of leads produce the most closed deals i'd say um the pre-foreclosure list leads and whether that's mailing or knocking on doors for for us has has been the most profitable there's right you know there's a hundred different ways to do that but for us that that's been the most profitable so. cool cool all right for a newbie wholesaler with absolutely no experience what first steps would you say are crucial first steps as a newbie wholesaler i think that the first steps are to um, definitely get out there into your market, into the your local RIAs or bigger pockets meetups. Definitely talk to people who are buying. You know, learn what they're buying, their criteria. You know, I, I'd say that that before almost anything else, because then you can know if if what you're going after is you know realistic. If it's you know, and at least then you know exactly what your buyers are looking for. And so, and you'll always have that information. These guys who usually buy and who are at these meetings they're they're buying for years and years and years so if, even if it takes you another six months to get everything else up off the ground you did that groundwork of hey i know exactly what these guys are looking for now i know what to go after whether it's you know this guy looks for two threes in the zip code i mean that could be enough information to get you started so you're not yeah. looking all over the city yeah now you're just looking in that zip code yeah so great right on right on great. cool all right last question would you consider Involving a family member in a deal in any way, or do you believe it's a recipe for disaster? Um, I personally would not. Yeah. That's just it. I'm not judging you. I'm just asking no, the question, man. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I I personally would not. I don't Brandon's have, like, judging you. Judging. He is. I, I see him. Um, <laughs> He's got ju- have... judgy eyes. Look at those judgy. They're very judgy. Judgy, Mick. Judgerson over there. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't have like a rich uncle that has a, a ton of money that, you know, throwing these, this money at me for deals. But even on the real estate side, on the licensing side, things get weird when things go weird. And so it's like when things aren't working out exactly, you know, to plan, so to speak, even friends and family get really strained relationships through yeah. that. And it, it's hard to recover from that. Yeah. And so from doing that on the license side and things 
you know, nobody's not talking to anybody anymore or anything, <laughs> but it's still like, if I can avoid that headache, then great. And would I love to work with, you know, my, my good friends and my family? Sure. But uh, is it worth it to get, have things go crappy? I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. And for, for your friends and family who are listening, <laughs> it's not you, it's me. That's right. It's not you. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. So we have had you on the show before, but we're going to do it anyways. Let's get to famous four. All right. Famous four. These questions we ask every guest and we've asked you before, like Josh said, but we're going to find out if anything's changed. Maybe Uh, the first question is what is your favorite real estate related book? So my new favorite book, and this isn't, I'm honestly not trying to plug this, but I've been reading through Brandon's new book, and it's and it's <gasps> oh, and it's been said this. It's, it's been really good, only because that's that's a big piece that I haven't explored a lot past reading on the forums, and so now I have you know Brandon's insight to how he's done you know these deals, and 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 that that's been really cool. So when I start on the buy and hold side, that's been huge. So there I, it is. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll what give is, you what is the bu- title? Is this the, the book on... The book of, I got I to gotta read the title. It's really, really long. He made it super it long. It is really long. The book long. on investing in real estate with no one low money down. That's uh, right. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, it's a good book. It's it is. Good. No, Thank it, you. It, it really is. I, I, I didn't mean to, to plug that when I was thinking about it earlier. I'll give you your 20 bucks later. It's okay. <laughs> good work. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. So Thank you. What, what about a uh, favorite business book? So this is another recent read, I guess. I guess you can just say one of the two books you read most recently. But yeah. this, uh, this one is He's got uh, short-term memory. That's about it. <laughs> this one is the uh, the ten x rule by Grant Cardone, and it's a uh, it, it's more of a uh, goals. Um, I think he's a sales coach, but this is definitely like how to take your goals and then ramp them up as high as you, as possible because. You know, my, my goal used to, not really goal, but it used to be like, if I could just wholesale one crappy deal a month, I'd be fine. Like, I reduced my expenses enough to the point where that's fine. But if you aim for one and you get zero, where are you at? You know, if you aim for 10 and you get one, at least you know you're covered. But, it, you know, if, if you kind of like that, if you shoot for the stars and you land on the moon or something, I don't know how that phrase yeah. goes, but... They, at least you're still up there, you know. At, le- at least you're you're part way there. But so that that's been huge for me is that book kind of helping me out with if I shoot for you know ten deals a month and I land at eight. Oh no, you know it's like <laughs> it, I I only need one to pay my bills. So yep. you know, so it it's kind of that mentality, just ramping everything up in your life to ten times what you what you thought you could do. And so cool. it's kind of a mentality goals book. So nice, right yeah, on. I'll check cool, it out. Cool, cool. Hobbies? Any 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 new hobbies? I see you and your family on Facebook all the time, so I, I know there's a lot of cool like outdoorsy stuff. Yeah, there is. We, uh, I'm trying to get my wife into camping, and, uh, and <laughs> maybe and, and, and I, maybe we can work on that together because I need the same <laughs> same thing. And so this summer, but they don't want to go and hang outside and crap outdoors for days. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't want to do that? I don't know. Hold on, that's the tweetable topic of (laughs) today. Who doesn't want to go crap outdoors? Yeah, I don't Um, know. I I did get them into (laughs) kind of a yard camping where we set up the tent in the yard and uh, and spent overnight um, because I have a four year old and then my wife and you know at the end of it she's like that wasn't so bad. So trying to get her into that, we already do. You know, we already hike, so you might as well just 
stay out there. Stay. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> if you're already there, you might as well just spend the night. Um, and then the other piece is, uh, is same with kind of adventure race or obstacle race type things. Cool. We did, uh, we did Tough Mudder this year, and nice. and I, I I basically drug my wife up there, kicking and screaming, <laughs> and and I, and I was like, "You are going to thank me for this," and she was not happy. Nice. And then then when then we were done on the way home, she's like, "I I do that again." So it was it was a cool way to like kind of kind of just stretch your your what you think you can do. It's kind of one of that you know, can you do twelve miles and be cold, miserable the whole time, but at the <laughs> end you're you're so exhilarated that, hey, I did that, and. Uh, and so, so for us, that that was a lot of fun. So we're, cool. we're looking forward to doing a bunch more of those next year, and maybe some outdoor camping if she wants to go crap in the woods. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you talk about your wife crapping in the woods versus herself. But you know, we'll, we'll make sure she doesn't listen to the show. Um, by the way, if you guys are doing one next year in the spring, I, uh, not the winter in the warmer warmer weather. If there are those, I and you you want somebody else, I'm down. And you guys on the show, all of our listeners, you heard it here first. I do want to do one of those, and nice. I'm looking for a partner in crime to drag me out because my wife won't do it with me. So nice, yeah, you know, absolutely. Let's let's rock it. Absolutely, nice. Cool, cool. All right, all right. Fi- final awesome. question for me. What do you think? Sets apart successful real estate investors from those who never get started, fail, or give up. I have to go back to my my original answer because for me, I I struggle with it too, which is you know massive action consistently. So, and I said consistency last time. This is basically the, the same thing, just I guess rewarded in that if you're not working on on this every day, you're not going to get to where you want to be. You know, if you're not working on you know, at least the things that matter. Um, you you could be working on your website and then never go out and find buyers and sellers and you know do the marketing and do the work to to get deals, you know. And you're you're but you're wasting your time. So be consistent on the right activities, and you will you know you'll you'll definitely reap the benefits. But I found that any time that I've you know my my deal flow or anything has gone downhill, I can tr- I can trace it back immediately to not working on the right things consistently. Yeah. And and every time, and you know, been doing this for eight nine years now. So every single time, you know, you think you think it'd be easy to wake up and be like, oh, this is exactly what I have to do. But life happens, things happen. You know, you get into ruts or whatever. But if you're consistently working on the you know dollar producing activities, the rest will worry about itself. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And like you know, it. a lot of people find themselves spinning their wheels in busy work and never actually doing anything. And and I I think. Yeah regardless of of the industry that's that's something that we just in general people fall into so i i love that that's that's awesome yeah it's definitely just just a people thing it's not you know we're not all unique you yeah. you just got to wake up every single day and just hustle yeah so. hey man where can people find more about you where can you get a site or you know are you on you know how do people find you i'm on bigger pockets obviously um a lot of people find me there and um I'm also at AnsonPropertyGroup.com, and that's just ba- a basic, uh, you know, seller website that they can, that they can come to and check out. If you want to check out things there, that's great. But you know, Bigger Pockets is the best place to find me. Just send me a message, and uh, we'll we'll hook up there. Awesome, cool, awesome. Well, Anson, thanks so much for coming on the show. You are, uh, yeah, it was it was great having you back. We definitely appreciate it. Picked up some new tips, and and uh, want to thank you uh, for for joining us. I'm absolutely glad to be back, guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank awesome. you. Awesome. 
Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to show 96 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Again, show notes can be found at biggerpockets.com slash show 96. If you are listening to the show on iTunes or uh, elsewhere, please go on iTunes and leave us a rating review. Let it, let everybody know what you think of the show. Um, hopefully you guys like it and leave us a good rating. Uh, those ratings certainly help us out. The reviews help us out. They help people who are searching for us to find us and, and find out, you know, Hey, these guys are, you know, they're, they're doing good stuff. So thank you very much uh, in advance. If you haven't already left us a review, we'd appreciate it beyond that. Now follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on G+, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. We're you know sharing lots of uh, great content in those places. And get active on the site. Get out there. Make things happen. If you don't have a, a local real estate club or group in your area, create one. Hit up Anson. He'll, he'll help you out. Uh, you know, post it in the show notes or, or just uh, get in touch. And uh, that's it. We appreciate you being a part of our world, our community. And you know, we, we want you to get out there and make things happen. Don't just spin your wheels. Be successful. Go make it happen. So good luck to everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And stay warm because it is snowing. Yet once again, it's like 10 degrees out and snowing. Welcome to winter. (laughs) Nice. I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.